Who knows what's happening tonight? Christmas at the cradle. There it is. All right. Awesome. Christmas at the cradle tonight, 6 o'clock at the Cat's Cradle in Carborough. Uh, tickets are $10, and all the proceeds go to benefit table. Let me talk for just a moment about why we're doing this, okay? Three reasons that we are having Christmas at the Cradle tonight with the bands that are going to be there and, and enjoying Christmas music and some of their original music as well. Three reasons that we're doing this. Number one, it's a way for us to live out our mission as a church, to love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. One of our cultural marks as a church is intentional incarnation. Intentional incarnation. Throughout this season of Advent, we're going to be talking about that term incarnation a lot, where God himself steps into our context. Instead of waiting for us to come to him, he comes to us, and he brings it to us. He brings the message to us. And Jesus challenges us to live in the same way. To follow that same kind of pattern. Instead of asking people to come to us, we go to them with the message. And so that's why we have worship at the Varsity right here in the middle of Franklin Street. And why uh, during the month of May and at the beginning of the semester, we have worship at the well, the old well. This iconic spot in the middle of our town that's the symbol of the University of North Carolina and the symbol of our town, Chapel Hill. This is why uh, Vimela's is our uh, fellowship hall, all right? Is Vimela here today? There she is. You're awesome. Thank you for hosting us. Hi. Hello. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's your grand, it's your, your, yeah, awesome, your grandchild. Beautiful. For those of you that thought I was just saying that, talking like that to Vimela, hi. hi. <laughs> Thank you for lifting the child up so they could see. <laughs> awesome. So Vimela's is our fellowship hall and Merritt's and Sutton's and Bagel Bar, right? And uh, Moe's is our classroom, okay? And Franklin Street is our lobby. So in the same way, we are going to Cat's Cradle because this is a place where the whole community already gathers, right? Everyone in our community recognizes that and really beyond our community recognizes that as, as this hub for music and creativity. And so we're going there. And we're going to take the message there, okay? So that's one of the reasons that we're doing that. Uh, number two, another one of our cultural marks as a church is courageous generosity. Courageous generosity. We want to continue to find ways to give ourselves away. And so we're going to be generous with this. And, and this whole night is to benefit Table, which is a local ministry here that feeds school children in our community school system. 30% of the children in our local school system rely every single day on the free or reduced lunch program in their schools. 30% of kids need that in order to eat, in order to have that meal. Table aims to help those children in the evenings to make sure that they have dinner when they get home, to make sure that they're taken care of on the weekends and over school holidays. And that's why Table exists, to feed local school children, and we want to help them with that, all right? They're becoming more and more partners of us, and we want to join them in doing that. So it's courageous generosity to give ourselves away for the sake of this other ministry in town and the children that table is serving. And then the last reason is, is this, radical hospitality. 
Radical hospitality. And that doesn't just mean creating an environment here where everyone feels welcome, but also being intentional about creating environments around our community where we can extend hospitality, where we can take hospitality to people. So I want to challenge you. This is an amazing opportunity to invite some of your neighbors and invite some of your friends uh, who may not feel comfortable ever coming to church, even a church that meets in a movie theater that oftentimes doesn't look like a church, right? But this is an opportunity to invite people to see what this church is about, but even more than that, to see what the gospel of Jesus is about, to see what Christians are about, who follow in the way of Jesus, who give themselves away, who express the love of Christ in a reckless way, and who open themselves up for radical hospitality. So that's why we're doing this. And I challenge you to to be a part of it, to come join us. Uh, Tickets for it are $10, but if that's a barrier for you in any way, then we already have tickets that we paid for up front that we would be glad to give to you, that we want to give to you, that we're saving for you, okay? So come and talk to us about that. If you don't see us today on it, then just come to the door at, at the cradle and just let us know, okay? Our congregational care pastor, Allison Otwell, will be at the door um, giving out those tickets. And so if you need that, then, then see her. Uh, the password is Jesus, okay? There you go. Easy to remember, all right? Open the door. Awesome. So we're doing that, but I also wanted to say this. Uh, Frank uh, Heath, who is the guy that runs uh, the cat's cradle, uh, he mentioned that to me this week, too. He said, hey, I just want you to know, if anybody wants to come but they can't afford the ticket, please let them know. Just we'll let them in. They'll be our guests. Um, and he told me that he appreciates what this church is about and what this church does in the community. And I have no clue where he is faith-wise, what his opinion is of Jesus or the church, but I know what his thought is on, on you. And so I encourage you in that, that, that that's how the community is seeing you and seeing you engage with them, and it's appreciated and it's received. So come and, and be a part of that tonight. All right, we are diving into this message, our first message in the season of Advent. And uh, as Jason was explaining so well about the heart of Advent, it is this time of anticipation. It's this time of waiting, waiting on the arrival of Jesus, waiting in the ache of the promise that God gave to his people and longing for that arrival of Jesus. So as Christians, we follow this calendar, the church calendar. And uh, actually, so while the rest of the world sees December as like the end of the year, right? The year is kind of winding down to a close. In the ancient historic church calendar, the season of Advent that leads up to Christmas is the first season of the church calendar. So while the rest of the, the world around us sees this as the end of the year, Christians are living in this counter kind of story, right? The subversive story that often goes against the grain of the world around us. And we see this actually as the dawn of the year. This is the beginning of a new time in history as we await the arrival of Jesus. Advent calls us to live this kind of counter narrative that goes against the grain. The author Madeline Lingle called it the irrational season. It's an irrational season because it is subversive. It goes against the grain of what is happening around us. So while the world around us moves into a time of rushing, right? Everyone around us is rushing. The church actually takes this time to wait, to pause, 
to sit in the ache of waiting for the arrival of, of the Savior. We remember what it was like for Israel to live in the promise and yet not yet experience the fulfillment. So we orient ourselves in that story as we wait for the arrival of Jesus at Christmas and as we await for the return of Christ. We enter into that story and that ache and that longing. So while the world around us piles up debt in order to fill a void, we embrace the longing and we embrace the ache of that and the waiting of it. While the world around us despairs about what is happening next, what is coming next, the church hopes. We always hope. And while the world around us during this season plays along with with cute myths and charming fairy tales, the church believes in the most impossible story of all. And we place all of our hope on that, that the God of the universe would take on flesh, step into the story, and to save the world from inside the world. When I say that, when I say the world and the church, I don't mean to set up kind of a paradigm of us versus them. Okay, understand that. I don't mean that at all. In fact, it's the opposite. It's us for them. And even more than that, it's Jesus for them. Jesus is for the world. Christmas is the proof of that, that he steps into our story to redeem us. He becomes one of us to redeem us and to bring us salvation. So I love the way Jason laid out our, our worship service today because it really orients us in this season of Advent. We began with this song of prepare the way, okay, echoing the prophecy of the prophet Isaiah that gets fulfilled in John the Baptist, a voice in the wilderness, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, right? And this waiting and this longing, and then that gets met next by the song that follows it, Joy to the World, right? So this longing and waiting gets met by joy to the world and that sense of fulfillment that we experience with the arrival of Jesus. Our kids did such an awesome job up here. That was so fun, all right? I loved, I loved that Isaiah tried to eat his egg shaker, all right? I could feel the panic. I was with you, all right? That's good. That's great. That was fun. And, and I, can, I, can, I feel cadence, too. Cadence was standing there like this the whole time. And all of you over the age of 30 were like, amen. All right? It's good. Deal with it. You're all right. Deal with it. All right. The next, we go into this song of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Again, into this sense of waiting. And you can feel the tension of that even in the melody of the song. It creates this tension, right, in the way that the song progresses, in the way that it moves. And then it's met by the joy of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That's, that's Advent and Christmas. Advent and Christmas. Waiting, longing, fulfillment in the arrival of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah isn't often associated with Christmas or with Advent. His prophecies don't often get connected in that way. Most of the time during this season, we're hanging out with Isaiah, all right? And we're all through the book of Isaiah. But today we're digging into the prophet of Jeremiah and what a word that the Lord gives to him about the future coming of the Messiah. So this is in the Old Testament, prior to the arrival of Jesus, in this season of waiting, where the people of God are waiting 
for the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Jeremiah 33. We're going to start at verse 14. And we're going to go through 22. Let's pray. Jesus, this is your word. You are the word made flesh. That's what we celebrate. That's what we worship during this time of the year. And God, we pray that you would take your word and press it deep into our hearts in a way that is transforming for us. Help us to be open, have our hearts, our minds, and our souls open to what you have to say to us. So in your name we pray. Amen. So here it is, the word of the Lord to the prophet Isaiah. It's, it's what our friends already read for us earlier when they were lighting the Advent candle. And you guys did an awesome job with that, too. I like the, the teamwork, the roommate teamwork of lighting the candle. Well done on that. All right, that was awesome. Here we go. Here's what he says. The days are coming, declares the Lord. The days are coming when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that, at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called. The Lord our righteousness. For this is what the Lord says. David will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of the house of Israel, nor will the priests who are Levites ever fail to have a man stand before me continually to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to present sacrifices. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day, and my covenant with the night, so that the day and night no longer come at their appointed time, then my covenant with David, my servant, and my covenant with the Levites who are priests ministering before me can be broken, and David will no longer have a descendant to sit and reign on his throne. I will make the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister before me as countless as the stars of the sky and as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Beautiful. A beautiful word. Now a little bit of context happening around this word that Jeremiah is speaking. Just to get ourselves an understanding of where he's coming from. Jeremiah is one of the major prophets. Right behind Isaiah. is one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. He's called to preach during the reign of King Josiah. Earlier in the fall, we talked about King Josiah and how he was one of the few righteous kings in his line. But his heart turned towards God and against the grain of of the history that came before him and the history that came after him. He turned his heart towards God and he brought the people along with him. He renewed the covenant with God and a revival and a renewal broke out. Among God's people because of that. So Josiah is bringing the the governmental leadership of that. And paired up with him is Jeremiah preaching the word. All right. So Josiah leading and bringing that governmental leadership and kingship. And Josiah coming beside him as the prophet. Preaching the word and bringing the word of the Lord to the people. However, after Josiah's death, the people turned away again from God. 
And they continued in this pattern of breaking the covenant that God made with them. Now, God never broke his covenant with his people. He will not do that. But the people, time and time again, this, this, this pattern of breaking their covenant with God. As a result of that, the Lord gave Jeremiah a word to preach. That he consistently, boldly, courageously preached to the people, to the king who came after Josiah, the wicked king who came after him. And he preached this message of judgment. That the corrupt leadership of the nation had, had led the people astray. And he called the king to wake up. And he called for the people to wake up. And to remember the covenant that God had made. And for them to walk in it. He's rewarded for this courage with persecution. And time and time again he is beaten. He is imprisoned. He's even thrown down into a well. And with hopes of starving him and to die in this kind of painful way. In fact, in the moment that we get this word, it tells us that he is imprisoned in the courtyard of the king when this word comes to him and he begins to speak it to the people. Time and time again, he is persecuted heavily for the word that he's bringing, but he will not stop. He keeps bringing it. He knows it's from the Lord. So he continues to bring it. Josiah becomes known as the weeping prophet. Maybe you've heard that about him before. He's known as the weeping prophet. Now, the reason that he weeps is not for his own hardships that he's going through. The reason he weeps is because of the message that he has to bring to God's people. And it absolutely breaks his heart to bring this message of judgment against God's people because he knows that what God is saying will come to pass. And so his heart breaks under that. That's a true prophet right there, by the way. That's a true prophet, a person who weeps when they're talking about the reality of sin, a person who weeps when they're talking about the reality of judgment. If you ever find somebody preaching judgment with a smile on their face, do not trust them. Do not trust them. This is a true prophet. He even goes on to illustrate this in two different ways. One, he preaches with a yoke on his shoulders. The kind that they would use to yoke two oxen together, right? So he walks around with this yoke on his shoulders, preaching this message, saying, this is what is coming to us. It's this yoke of bondage and this yoke of captivity. The Babylonian Empire is coming, and they're going to invade, and they're going to overthrow us because we've turned our hearts away from God. And they continued to push back against him and to tell him he was a traitor against his own people and his own nation for speaking it. But he continued to speak. So he does that on one hand, the, the carrying this yoke, talking about the captivity and the bondage that is coming because of their faithlessness and because they've turned against God. But at the same time, he does another thing. God says, now I want you to do this. Don't just preach with a yoke on your shoulders. I also want you to go and buy a piece of land. Go and buy a field and save the deed. Now, why would he do that? The Lord says, because I am not giving up on my people. I will bring them back to this land and people will live here again. They will flourish here again. The streets that will become desolate will be filled with singing again. The bride and the groom will fill the street again. The children will fill the street again with singing. I will bring my people back and I will fulfill every single promise I made. So on the one hand, Jeremiah is walking around with a yoke. On the other hand, he's walking around with a deed in his pocket. 
knowing that God will be faithful to his promises and God will never abandon and never give up on his people. It's into that context that Jeremiah speaks this word to the people of God. He begins with this phrase, the days are coming. The days are coming, looking in to the future. This lines up with the heart of Advent, with the spirit of Advent. And Christmas is, is often associated with tradition, right? This is the one time of the year where even the most cutting edge of you, like you kind of fall back into old traditions, okay? So for some reason, we drink eggnog. Does anyone actually like eggnog? No. Oh, you do? Weirdos. All right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, all right, I need some. All right. Awesome. And uh, for some reason, we, we bring trees inside. What is this about? All right. Bring trees inside. No, try that any other time of the year, and, and your mom would be like, get that out of my house. All right. We don't even let our kids bring sticks inside. But Christmas, we bring the trees. We don't know why. Um, we sing these songs with lyrics that we don't really know what they mean. All right. Some of them, I'm like, you're just filling space like you ran you just forgot what to say next so you're like deck the halls with boughs of holly la, 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 la. <laughs> all right we don't know what most of this means but it's tradition and there's comfort in it right and we fall back on it again and again and it's great i love it i do it too i love it but christmas is not about tradition it's not only about the past it's always about the future It's always about the future. Advent and Christmas reach into the future and drag the hope of the future into the present. And that's what we see in the arrival of Jesus and this promise of Jesus's coming. How can I know that the days are coming that Jeremiah is talking about? How can I know that? Because I know that God is being faithful now. He takes that hope of the future and he drags it into the present for us. Now, there's an interesting thing that Jeremiah does in this passage. And uh, if I say Isaiah by accident, by the way, just know I mean Jeremiah, okay? I will probably do that like five times because Isaiah is my man. I love him, okay? Um, so here's the thing. Here's what Jeremiah is saying to us in this passage, okay? In, in these few verses, we've got eight verses here, and in these few phrases and verses, Jeremiah somehow manages through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit speaking through him to weave the entire story of God's covenant faithfulness into this one message. He pulls from the whole history of Israel and weaves it together in this one message. Israel understood their history as hanging on five anchor points, five covenants that God makes With his people. First of all, it's the covenant he makes with Adam and Eve at creation. Okay, so it's that covenant of creation, Adam and Eve. Second, it's the covenant he makes with Noah. When when God says, listen, there is sin and sin must be judged because God is holy. Sin must be judged. But because God is love, he always provides a rescue. He always provides a rescue, and that's what he does in the story of Noah. And and he begins this new creation through Noah and Noah's family. Next, we have the covenant that God makes with Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, even though they're beyond age and they're unable to have children, God gives them this child of promise through Isaac. 
and says that through that line, God is going to bless the entire world. And that the descendants of Abraham and Sarah are going to outnumber the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky. Then there's the covenant that God makes with Moses. After using Moses to lead his people out of captivity and slavery in Egypt and towards the promised land, God develops his covenant with his people, gives them the law, and as a part of that establishes this system of worship and sacrifice that says, listen, I'm going to set up this system of sacrifice. You are sinful people. You're going to sin, and when you sin, you will bring a sacrifice, this, this blood sacrifice of an animal that will be made, and the blood of that animal then will cover the sin of the people. And he sets that up and sets up the system of the priests with that. And then there's the covenant that he makes with David. And he says, David, I'm making this promise to you that for eternity, forever, one of your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel and reign with the same kind of heart with which you are reigning, a good king over the people of Israel. Those are the five covenants. This was in the heart, in the mind, in the soul, ingrained in the history of the people of Israel. Now look what we get just in these few verses from Jeremiah, in this one passage, in this one statement that Jeremiah makes. We have a reference to the covenant that God makes with Adam and Eve. Where he says, if somebody can break the covenant of of creation, if you can break the covenant of the day and the night, and you can get day and night to show up at different times, or you can hold them back from showing up, then I might break my covenant with David. But he says, it's never going to happen. How do you know God is still being faithful? Did the sun come up this morning? Did the moon take its place at night? I will never break it. We've got that right here that Jeremiah speaks, that the Lord speaks through him. And then we've got this, this word of Noah, the branch of righteousness. We know that at the end of the story, after the flood, this symbol that it is now, uh, uh, that the world is a safe place, that the world has been rescued. We get the dove who shows up with the branch in its beak. And then we get the, the Abraham story mentioned here too. He says right here in this passage, that the descendants of David and the priests will, will be measureless like the sand of the, shore, of the shore and the stars in the heavens. We get that mentioned right here. And then we get the covenant of Moses mentioned. When he says that, there will, there will always be someone bringing a sacrifice, presenting a sacrifice before me, always. It's right here in this passage and then of course repeatedly through this passage we get the reference to David that David's son will be a king on the throne of Israel forever the covenants are kept and renewed and fulfilled through Jesus this entire passage is pointing ahead to Jesus and in the person of Jesus the entire history of Israel is summed up the protagonist of the story Jesus himself the author of the story becomes the protagonist and the entire all of the covenants are renewed and fulfilled through Jesus the people at their best they believed that God would one day keep his promises they failed in that time and time again but but they could believe that God would keep his promises but they could have never dreamed that God would become his promise that God himself would step 
into the story and bring redemption. But that's exactly what happens in the book of Luke in chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. When the angel shows up to Mary and begins to tell her what is about to happen. And that God himself, the son of God, is going to be born through her in this miraculous way of the virgin birth. I love Mary's response in that. Mary has this question that she asks, right? She, she asks, she says, um, now how can this be uh, since I am a virgin? All right, how can this be since I am a virgin? If you don't understand that question, then talk to somebody else, okay? Don't talk to me about that, all right? Um, but she asks the angel, And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who is said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. And then listen to Mary's answer. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel Left her. The promise of Jeremiah 33 fulfilled in Luke chapter 1 in the coming of Jesus. All of the covenants, all of the promises that, Jesus, that God ever made fulfilled in God Himself, God in the flesh, in Jesus. I love this response from Mary. Mary had many questions, she had only one answer. Mary had many questions, she had only one answer, and it was yes. It was yes. Now, where does that yes come from? Is it because she's courageous? Yes, she was courageous. Is it because she was a strong young woman? Yes, she was a strong young woman. Is it because she was a woman of faith and belief? Yes, it's because she believed. Is it because she was a woman of vision? Yes, she was a woman of vision. Is it because she was a woman of boldness? Yes, she was all of those things. But that's not where that answer comes from. The answer comes from this most simple thing, and it is simply trust trust she says i don't know how this is going to happen but i trust that you are going to make it happen and i will follow you every single step of the way i find that interesting because in that passage of jeremiah that we just read chapter 33 every single one of the covenants that jeremiah mentions in that chapter were broken by god's people why because they failed to trust him Because they came to a turning point where they had the opportunity to trust him and they failed to trust him. Every single one of those covenants is broken because of that. And now this new covenant is coming into existence. How? Simple trust. Simple trust. Jeremiah's weeping turns into Mary's song. All the way back to the story of Adam and Eve. This is how sin entered the world in the very beginning is that Eve heard a lie and she doubted. But here in this story, Mary heard a promise and she trusted. That's where the story turns. I want to close with this image. We showed it last year, but I have to come back to this thing. I love it. It's so simple. It's such a simple drawing, but there's so much beauty in this. And in this, we have the story of humanity. On the left there is Eve. You can see that she's holding an apple with a bite taken out of it. But she believed the lie. You can see by the downcast look on her face, the weight of sin. 
that is brought into the world because of Adam and Eve and their sin and their mistrust. You see the snake that is around her, the serpent that deceived her. But then you see Mary consoling her. Isn't that beautiful? Because through Mary will come the promise that will set all things right. Eve placing her hand there on Mary where the baby is growing that will save the world. I love this. The story of humanity collides in Jesus. The story of God and humanity collide in Jesus as God becomes flesh and as God reconciles humanity to himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Every promise, every promise fulfilled through Jesus. We're going to celebrate with communion today. This symbol of the new covenant. That all of the other covenants had been broken by God's people. But God refused to break his covenant with us. And he kept his covenant. And the sign of communion is the symbol, Jesus says, of the new covenant. Jesus, when he was with his disciples on his last night, took the bread from the table and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken to make you whole. At this time of year, it is even more difficult to take this meal and to remember what Jesus did. Because this is the time of the year when we remember him as that vulnerable child. A child who came into the world to willingly die for the salvation of the world. And then he took the cup that was on the table. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Represents my blood poured out for the salvation of the world. Every time you drink of it, remember me. Mary is promised when the angel visits her, that this son that she's giving birth to is the son of God and the savior of the world. The savior of the world. And there's so much joy in that promise. And yet there's the ache in the promise of understanding how that salvation is going to come about. That this young baby, this innocent child, will one day give his life for the sake of us all. We invite you to the table of the king today. And if you want to embrace what Jesus Christ has done for you, then we invite you to come forward, tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, and taste and see that the Lord is good. There's going to be a station on this side with bread and cup and a station on this side with bread and cup as well. And there will be a gluten-free option if you need that on this side. This is the new covenant fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The whole history, the whole story of God and humanity collide in the person of Jesus. And he reconciles us. He reconciles us. Amen. Come.